Hello, one Scarab Audi Reds, Nottingham Forest are back on home turf as they renew hostilities with Sheffield United on Friday night. It's a game the Reds are expected to win, so we'll look at if the Blades been underestimated, underestimated, talk team selection and formation. We'll also discuss the latest transfer news as Forest are linked with three more players of note. And we'll be doing that in the company of, first of all, Greg Mitchell. Greg, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Feeling good this morning. Hey, how's your cold getting on? It's all right. I was a bit sniffly this morning. I think it might be hay fever, but I can't play the sympathy card too much because you always tell me I do. Uh, second guest is Michael Temple. Temps, you well? Yeah, good, mate. Looking forward to match day. Yes, absolutely. And it's a home game, as we say. I'm sure the atmosphere will be spot on. Um, let's just start, um, Greg. There's a bit of a notion, because of the away fixtures, that it's a must-win game. And the implications it could have if we lose, you know, in terms of mood and even pressure on the manager. Do you see it as a must-win game or not? It's not a must-win game just because of where we are in the season. It's the second game in, but if we didn't win it, there'd certainly be panic buttons being pressed everywhere. Just like you say, because of the the start to the season we've got, um, it's a game that I worryingly expect to win. Uh, usually my my optimism comes from a lot of hope, uh, but this time you really do think that we should win it. I was on um, a show with a Sheffield United guy the other day and he was just like absolutely down in the dumps. That was even before they'd lost to Palace. And you think, I think he said they're starting the season with a weaker, a weaker start in 11 than they finished the championship season with. So, we really should be going for a team like this, but by no means does it mean that the points are guaranteed at all. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? A lot of fans' temps are expecting to win the game, which is not a feeling we had too many times last season. In fact, I can't... Maybe Southampton... Or, no, probably even not then because the certain of the game. There's probably literally no games last season where we expected to win, but now second season in the Premier League, it changes the dynamic a little bit. Are you a little bit wary of being expected to win this game or not? No, I'm part of that camp. I do expect to win. I think Sheffield United are a good championship team. And with the players they've um, lost, particularly Ndai and, and Sanderberg, who I was big fans of and would have been the two players that anybody would look to recruit um, from, from that side. I don't think their business has been particularly inspiring. Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't be excited by Tom Davis. We're Bucky's favourites for good reason and if the table goes how I expect it to go this season they'll have a a long tough old time lost 1-0 to Palace in the opening week some players that we're familiar with getting minutes Max Lowe Ben Osborne would they be anywhere near our side now no I don't think they would be we're favourites for a reason but we've got to go out and translate that into into points I think the makeup of our squad the resilience we've had from um, the, the triumphs and tribulations of, of last season and the players that we have available allied to the atmosphere at home should be more than enough for us to, to get past Sheffield United. We, we must win, not in the context of and the effects it's going to have on our season. Uh, but yeah, I, I do fully expect us to beat Sheffield United tomorrow. Yeah, that Palace game. I know they lost it 1-0 at home. But if you look at the, the stats and the highlights, they should have lost that by a much bigger margin if... You know, Palace should have gone there and won by three or four, perhaps, on the day. Um, in terms of kind of, we'll get into formation, but in terms of approach and attitude, Greg, obviously we went to Arsenal and sat very deep and looked to hit them on the break, which made perfect sense. We can't really do that in this game, can we? I know it's it's works in games, but we have to be more aggressive and play a higher line and get about them a lot more, don't we? Yeah, and we saw in the last, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes at 
at Arsenal glimpses of what we could do. And if we did that at home against a weaker team, it could be a you know it could be a frightening experience for the team we're playing. And I think Sheffield United's the perfect game to play like that, you know, on the front foot with players that know what to do in this league for which is a huge thing. And I just think that we really should be going all out attack for a game like this. Mm. You echo that, Thames, in terms of... Well, I mean, I, I think formations... I think virtually any formation can be attacking. I'm not reading too much into that. I think it comes down to attitude and the line you play and stuff like that. We've got to be more aggressive, haven't we? Yeah, not so much all-out attack, but definitely a possession-based style rather than a counter-attacking style. Um, I would expect uh, Sheffield United to look to seed possession as they did to, to to Palace. Palace made all of the running in in that game. Um, Forest did what they had to do. Arsenal played the low block, sprung on the break, and you know, if, but for that, Brennan Johnson one on one, things could have been um, completely different. But that game plan gets ripped up now. That's a game plan for playing the top six on the road, as you rightly say. We're in a very different situation here against a team who haven't finished their recruitment, haven't found their feet, haven't settled, uh, are nowhere near in the state they, they want to be going into the second week of the, the Premier League season. So we need creative players on the pitch. Yes, Brennan Johnson's pace is still going to be important and there'll be times when we do look to, to counter. But I think the, the basis of the game plan will be about um, possession. I fully expect changes to the side with um, key players coming, um, coming back in some familiarity to the to the spine um, but yeah we, we have to have the ball keep the ball change the point of attack and look to be a little bit more structured um, than how we have to play on the road which is playing off scraps and trying to get from our third to final third in as, in as short a period of time as possible they're going to camp for periods of this game we're going to find ourselves coming up against the low block so it's not all about pace it's about probing it's about movement it's about overlapping runs from uh, fullbacks and we'll, we'll see a, a far different brand of football which is far closer to Steve Cooper's default than the methods that he's had to entertain over the past 18 months. Have you got any worries about opening a team up that sits in against us are we are we we're going to be leaning heavily on Gibbs White and Danilo I guess to be the ones to open the door? It's just that overload, isn't it? So you, how do you, how do you unlock a, a, a deep block? You you create points of overload. So that means committing full backs forward. I've I've got a flat back forward in my side, which we'll we'll come to um, later on. But it's it's about patience. It's about taking risk. It's about centre halves striding out with the the ball, um, attacking the. Um, uh, attracting players and, and finding space to, to to get Gibbs White on the ball in in good areas. Um, it's we all know it. We saw it in the Championship run. It's about grinding teams down and you know wearing them out and being like just just being relentless, just taking manageable risks, getting yourself in the game, and then when you when you see a weakness, just attacking it again and again and again and again because. You can demoralise teams like this with, um, with with early goals, um, and yeah, I think against opposition of this um, level, we're really going to see the likes of Morgan Gibbs White come into the fore. You know, they are players that that rely on possession and touches to have an impact on on games. He's never going to um, outrun the the more industrious centre mids. He's just going to beat a man and find a pass or. 
ping one from outside the box or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think this um, this this plays into the this game and this setup will play to the strengths of Morgan Gibbs White in particular. I think he could be key. Um, we'll put your lineup up, Thames. Mine and Greg's. Well, Greg's got a back three, and I've done one which I think will be the team. Not what I not what I'd like to see. Um, we'll, so we'll put your lineup, and then we'll talk around that. So I'll read it out for the benefit of people who are listening, uh, not watching. So Turner in goal, back four, Aurier Worrell, near Kate coming into the team, and Ina, a three in midfield of Yates, Mangala, Danilo, and then a, th- a three up front, Johnson, Awani, and Gibbs White, so Noah Langer. So a couple of questions off that. Um, people are, uh, understandably, we've discussed it on Monday, uh, lobbying for four, two, three, one. So you would take out probably one of Yates, Mangala, or Danilo, and then have, unleash Johnson, Gibbs, White, Elanga as a three in behind a one-year, which I think is a perfectly reasonable suggestion in this this um, this game. But what makes you go for this team in particular? Well, part of this is what I want to see, and part of this is trying to get into the mindset of Steve Cooper. So his comments midweek were about um, tempering expectations for um, Elanga. He talked about him having that great moment in the game where he ran the, ran the length of the pitch to lay it on for a one-year. But I don't think he quite sees him as a, uh, a star at this point. I think he sees him as a, a weapon off the bench, running at a broken field, running at, running at tired defenders, and he will be key in this game. He will have minutes from, from the bench. Um, I've sacrificed uh, Scott McKenna uh, and Willie Bolly to accommodate Tyro Awani and Musa Niakate. Niakate had 45 minutes in the week for the B team, um, appeared to be match fit, came through that with, with no issue. So back four picks itself for me. I know you, that Greg may well make a case for um, Nico Williams in a five, but I think in, in a four, Aurier is the out-and-out first choice at, at right back. That blend in centre-mid um, is, is is pretty easy to select with, with current personnel. I know we're looking to get in a central defensive midfield destroyer who would put pressure on Mangala and Yates, but until that happens, Yates, Mangala, Danilo are the, are the perfect blend in centre-mid for me. Um, Taiwo's back. He was only out of the Arsenal game uh, for fitness reasons. Hopefully that cameo in an extra week on the training ground has allowed him to come through. Such a focal point for us. And with him in the side, Brennan Johnson and Morgan Gibbs-White are that little bit more effective. I think they can have more of a luxury role in this game than, they're expect- than they were expected to have at Arsenal, where they did have to spend a bit of time tucking in, dropping in uh, and helping us to, to defend. But for me, the back four is the way to go to create the overloads that we discussed to, to overcome the Chef United <clears throat> deep block. Uh, Bolly misses out because <coughs> Worrell's our best ball player. And the Akate, for me, is our, our best all-round fit centre-half. McKenna was always going to make way when players came back. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a side that can breeze past Sheffield United. Yes, uh, I was going to ask you about Worrell. Simon in the comments uh, is saying, you know, why would you start Worrell over Bolly? And the I agree. With Re- the that's the re- that's our, yeah, yeah, I agree. He's the one who who is... I mean, he's not—he's not amazing at it. I'm not saying he's, you know, the best player in the world at it, but he's our best um, ball-playing defender to get the ball into midfield quickly. He's better on the ball than Bolly, uh, so that's why you can see the—you can see the role that Bolly has. He did it—he did it with a plum last season, didn't he? Like when we were defending for our lives against Palace, 25 minutes of Willie Bolly winning headers and tackles is is immense. But a front-foot side that wants to play out from the back, 
Joe's attributes lend themselves more to that. He could well be dragged with 30 minutes to go for one nil up. If we find ourselves levelling the game, Ilanga comes on. Uh, I'm not I'm not dismissing these players. I think they'll have a role to play from the bench. Uh, very good, very good. Right, we shall move on to Greg's team. And again, I'll read it out and then throw some names at him. Now, I've messed up Greg's team because I did this in a real rush before we started. He's got Aurier. I've put Aurier in here, but it's Nico Williams in Greg's team. So, turning goal, back three, McKenna, Worrell, near Kate. So, no Bolly in that one. Um, or, uh, Williams, right wing back, excuse me. Williams, right wing back, Ina, left wing back. Yates uh, holding, Danilo slightly more advanced, and then Gibbs White and Elanga uh, attacking with a one yi. So I should ask you about Williams having messed it up, Greg. Um, is that because uh, Aurier didn't look so good as a wing back against Arsenal and Williams has done well there? Are you worried about Aurier's fitness? What, what do you, or are you worried Aurier might even leave? What are you thinking there? The first, the first thought was just uh, Nico's attacking prowess. And then how Aurier just, for me, just looked a little bit unfit on on Saturday. I don't know whether that's unfair, but, um, you know, just half a yard off the pace every so often. Uh, and I think Nico's pace with what he's got up, up, up front as well will really help us at home against them. Uh, it's a real tough one because there's only really like three names that you can guarantee are going to start if they're fit. And for me, that's Turner. Yates and uh, Gibbs White, so it's a real mashup, really, of, of who you can have. But I just I love the thought of of going up and attacking them. Uh, keeping Johnson out was a a tough one, but it was just way for everyone in for the players I, I really wanted to see and and the impact a player like him can have off the bench if we need him. Yeah, I mean, I do think Yates will start. I think he's one of the first names on the team sheet. I know he still divides people a little bit. Mm. Mangala's a better footballer than Yates, but I think Yates is still needed in this team. And I can certainly see why you would have Williams in ahead of Aurier, uh, you know, in this side, in this instance, based on fitness. Um, I think you might have touched on no Brennan there. You've gone for Elanga for a start. Is that in theory to at least Brennan off the bench in the same way Elanga was? Yeah, and it's just the... uh the naivety of seeing what he did on Saturday, let's say. That was exciting. That was just one of the the most exciting plays of the last couple of seasons for me. The pure pace and the way it might have been a fluke play, but the way Taiwo absolutely linked up with him, knew exactly where that ball was going to go. And if they've built up that relationship together already, then we need to see what it's going to be like again. Uh, and if it doesn't work so well, then obviously... <laughs> Johnson's there to to be an absolute star. So um, yeah, it was a it was a real tough one this morning trying to put eleven players on there, and I think that's a great dilemma to have, isn't it? Yeah, no, I agree, I agree, and I don't think that's an unfair team. I would the only change I would make is probably I take out McKenna if I was playing a three, just because he's left footed as well, and I, I would have Bolly in there. But I can see your, your rationale there. So the third team I've got is sort of a predicted team based on fitness. So uh, I'll put it up. Now, this wouldn't be my team. I'll say what my team would be, but I think this is what it might be. So I, from listening to Cooper's press conference, he didn't sound 100% that a one year is ready to start and he might only be fit for 45 minutes. So in that case, I'd save him. So the team I've got here is Turner and Goal, Worrell, Bolly, Near Cate, Aurier, Danilo, Yates and Ina. And then Johnson gives White Elanga as a four-three-three. I just think that the way the squad's built, he wants to play three at the back. It just feels like all the signings are built that way. 
So I would like to see a flat pack four in this game, but I think we're going to see three most of the time this season. Mangala's the unlucky one to miss out, probably, if you're playing a two, because Danilo's the dynamic one who can break lines more so, and nothing like we just discussed, the eights. I, I, I've got Aurier in, but I like Greg's reasoning and rationale for playing Williams personally in this one. But I think Aurier will start. And then uh, I think Elanga's ready for a start. Um, and if you can't play a one, you've got to play Elanga. And then Gibbs White playing as a deeper kind of false nine, which I don't like, but I'd rather see that than Chris Wood start personally. So that's what I think it would be. But I would like to see 4 2 3 1 with um, I play, I drop Bolly from that team. And then uh, I play Aurier and Ina as fullbacks. And then I play that front three in behind a one knee if he's deemed fit enough, which I think is what a lot of people would like to see. Any thoughts, Temps or Greg, on that team or anything else that we've discussed? Well, it's about time Greg got a few daggers in the comments because he is the darling of this podcast. But there is zero chance that Brennan Johnson is going to be left out against Sheffield United at home. £40 million rated player. Um, an absolute weapon and a proven for me Premier League starter and I think too Bolly's just ahead of McKenna in the pecking order in 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 Cooper in Cooper's eyes. So I I think that you may be right, Matt. I think that with the familiarity and the, the amount of prep and training they've done for a back three, we may well see that. I prefer the four, but for me Brennan Johnson 100 percent starts this game in whatever system we we play he's inked in. Any rebuttal Felix. Greg? No, I'm more annoyed with Philip's comment saying that my, my team's pretty negative. <laughs> I thought it'd be about as attacking as it could be with what we've got. <laughs> Greg, just just justify dropping Brandon Johnson for a home game against, you know, one of the three weakest sides in the Premier League. Uh, just being able to take that risk. I don't know. It was purely Taiwo has to play. He's just continuing his goal scoring form, which he had uh, at the end of last season. And then just seeing how Alanga played with him, I just feel like that brings Tyro on even more. But God, if Johnson starts on, on Friday, I'm a very happy person. It's not, it's just great that we've got all these players to, to deal with. They're not all going to start every single game. So see how this one goes. Just sounded like you're trying to hound him out of the club, that's all. I was going to say, if Brennan, <laughs> if Brennan doesn't start this game, he won't be here in September, I think. Or am I saying that, you know, people look at that and go, oh, maybe he's not that good. We won't have a look at him. Carry on. So. He's playing. He's playing. I agree. Brennan's I agree. And as Chris, the Chris makes an interesting goal, you know, he's got a, different teams, different seasons. He's got a good record against Sheffield United. I know he missed that penalty, but he was brilliant in those playoff games. So, yeah, I think it's a game for him personally. Uh, right, we shall probably move on to the try. Oh, uh, the only thing I was going to say quickly was about the crowd. I know, Greg, we kind of speculated the atmosphere might dip a bit this season if people take it for granted. But I don't think they will do in this game, will they? It's going to be a red-hot atmosphere Friday night, two sets of fans that don't like each other. It's going to be electric again, isn't it? Mm. I'm sure it's going to start you know, pretty sombre with remembering... What's happened in the summer, and we've had multiple sad, sad events, haven't we? And then uh, after that, Mullican tie for the first time, another start to a Premier League season, which you know we should never take for granted. And it'll be one of the the best Mullican ties we've heard. It goes up a notch every single time, and it'll help having an away team that don't mind to have a sing because you didn't see that a lot last year. They're going to be well up for this. This is as close to a derby that we 
going to have had in a couple of seasons. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll be well up for this Friday night as well. I'm sure a few would have uh, left work early and uh, got well up for it. So, yeah, it'll be a big one. It won't be the same mistakes we made against Bournemouth and Fulham, that's for sure. And we we would learn from them for many years. And this is the perfect time to uh, show what it should be like. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, let's uh, spend the second half of the show talking transfers. Forrest uh, links with, well, probably links about seven or eight players, but three interesting links of notes since we spoke on Monday. Uh, Arsenal left-back Nuno Tavares, Chelsea defender Trevor Chalabar, and Benfica central uh, defensive midfielder Florentino Luis, along with, um, you know, Fafana from Monaco, I saw, and Sangare, obviously, but he's the new one, uh, continuing that theme of a defensive midfielder. So we'll talk about those three, and then we'll touch on Dean Henderson again, because, you know, it's a a podcast we've got to talk about Dean Henderson. Temps, start us off on Tavares. Um, We know him from Arsenal because he had that nightmare against us in the Cup which has kind of seems to turn fans off him immediately. He's gone to Marseille last season, had a bit of a mixed loan spell. And I might expand on some of what you say, but just uh, in general thoughts on the prospect of him signing for us. I sat in B block for that game when Lewis Graben scored the winner in the cup. If we remember this fella, he had two balls miscontrolled that went straight for his legs out for throw-ins. He had a horrendous back pass, which put his keeper in all kinds of pressure and he got dragged after 35 minutes, which is not a good look when you're playing what was a then championship side in the early rounds of the, the Cup. Um, that doesn't define his career. And it doesn't take too much research to see that you have there got an attack-minded fullback who's very, very comfortable um, up and down the left side. And again, would, would fit the, the systems that we're looking to play. Finds himself well down the, the pecking order at Arsenal, certainly behind um, Tierney, as well as the starter. So he needs to get out of there. I can see why there's logic in us signing a 23-year-old with potential rather than a, uh, a washed-up journeyman, I think was the phrase that I used on that on our WhatsApp chat um, yesterday. So I, I like the profile of the player, the fact that Arsenal and Marseille have seen um, something in him, had a far better time at Marseille when he got um, got more game time. And we all know who's, who's in the left-back slot. Um, there at this at this moment. So um hasn't had the best of times in the city ground at the past, but there's far more to him than than the, the limited body of work that we've seen, which was probably his, his worst 35 minutes in football. Yeah, as Temp says, Greg, limited body of work we've seen. I've not seen much of him personally. Uh, I've seen him play a few Premier League games, obviously against us, and it's fair to say wasn't impressed, but you would hope that our recruitment team has drilled a bit deeper and see something that you know would fit what we need in this instance, even if he's not top of the list for left back targets. Yeah, and he's been playing midfield, I think, as well, hasn't he, for for Marseille? So he's scoring a few goals. Um, but he's another one, Benfica youth again, isn't he? So um I just think we must have some kind of uh some kind of connection with them, and a lot of the time they they do have some quality players coming through. So we'd have seen something. He's the perfect age to get a few seasons out of him. And if he does well, make a profit on him, which is critical in this financial fair play era. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him sign. To be honest, I'd like to see all, all three you've mentioned signed, although a couple of them play in the same position. But it's just getting that strength in the squad. Yeah, I suppose what I'd say about it is there's question marks against him defensively which is fair enough. He played 
I think he played 26 games as a left mid or left wing back for Marseille last season, not a left back. So and there's also question marks against his attitude. It sounds like he had a bit of a falling out with the coach, if you read some French media. Uh, but I just don't think you can define a player by that. And we can't judge a player based on limited appearances. I mean, you could say the same stuff about Jed Spence came here with question marks against his attitude, can't defend. And Cooper got a tune out of him like no one else has. Renan Lodi arrived here. And I remember speaking um, uh, on the podcast about, you know, question marks against his defending. And he was immaculate by the end of the season. And Serge Aurier came here and we all thought, what are we signing him for? So I think it's pretty, it's a bit foolish to say no to a player that we've really only seen for, what, two games properly or a couple of matches. So we, we have to, you know, Trust, trust the process, as they say, and hope the recruitment team have seen something in it. I suppose, Temps, the other thing about it is why are we signing a left-back when we've got Richards and Toffolo there and we've got Nico who can play there and Olerina. But then there's question marks that Aurier might go. Toffolo's got his betting thing hanging over him. And, I mean, Omar Richards, when we can't really consider him an option for a very long time, can we, even if he does come back to training? No, he's he's further away than, than than people think. Unfortunately, you see it quite often in when rehabbing sportsmen that you know they've overcompensated in an, another part of their workout, and and you know injury uh, weaknesses that weren't there before just continue to emerge. So I think the reason we're looking at another left back is because Toffolo has been um, all but written off. Um, history would suggest that there's a pretty significant ban on its way for, for his um, indiscretions. Omar Richards is not in the first team picture at the minute. So you're left with Olerena, who's very much more in the wing-back mould than the, than the left-back mould. And, and time will tell um, how he can live the level. Early signs are, are particularly good. And Nico can do it as a, as a make-weight, but he, he, would, he wouldn't claim to be um, particularly comfortable on the, on the left-hand side. So, yeah, I can see why it's being... Um, highlighted as a recruitment priority. For me, it's it's certainly behind that second striker that we need and the central defensive um, destroyer. Um, but yes, a slightly easier deal to, uh, to to get done given the wealth of left-backs that Arsenal have at their disposal. So no, this does not bode well for the immediate prospects of um, Toffolo or Richards. And Cooper will be understandably keen to have cover at least for Olerena. Yeah, and also Toffolo has had a hernia surgery over the summer, so he's not quite quite right. So really, at the moment, we're down to three fullbacks. So I think that's probably um, probably why. Uh, Tim in the comments asked about Aurier leaving. There's interest in him from Saudi Arabia that I think persists and their transfer window closes after ours rather annoyingly. Uh, there's Bill in the comments is absolutely prolific, uh, hammering Gibbs White and lots of other people. Yeah, and saying Bianconi's better than um, everyone. I mean, I don't know. Bill must have seen Bianconi a lot of, lot more times than I have because I think he's played about 12 minutes for us. So um, there you go. Uh, every comment. All comments is welcome, but you've, Bill's written a lot in today, which is fine. Um, let's move on to... Um, Trevor Chalabar from Chelsea. A few people in the comments saying he said no to us, um, but I hadn't seen that online. But if he has, fair enough. Uh, I don't know. He's quite, you were quite excited by it, Greg. I was as well because he's 24. He's very athletic. He's played a lot of Premier League football. 
he feels like even if it's not him, that's exactly the kind of player we should be signing. Yeah, is he central defender? Yeah, and he can play that, midfield and he can yeah. play right back, but he's primarily a central defender. That worries me in the sense for Felipe, purely yeah. because you know we've got some quality defenders already, and you're struggling to fit them all in, but. You worry about what that means for Felipe for the first part of this season. Uh, but yeah, he's had a, a very good youth career and he's obviously in and around Chelsea. So um, if we do need someone in that position, exactly the kind of person we'd go for and he can get further up the field if and when needed. Uh, so if that is the, the position we need, it'd be the, the perfect opportunity for us if he wants to come. It's interesting what Greg says about Felipe. We don't know how long he's out for temps, but the noises are he's going to be out for a while. I get the impression he might be out, certainly well past the transfer window closing. Yeah, walks into our side when he's fit. So uh, really, really concerning. I think he was a, a, a turning point signing last year. Just so calm without the ball, positionally aware, leader by example, walks into the side when he's when he's fit. So yeah, this this is a sign perhaps that um, he's four, five, six uh, weeks away, maybe, maybe more. So um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be sorely missed. Chalabert, good pedigree as, as you say, I think he's, he certainly would improve our ball playing from the, from the back. Um, does the, does the dirty work as well. Big fella heads and tackles, but has that, has that poise on the ball um, off the back of, of playing plenty of games as a, as a six. Um, so yeah, I'd welcome that. Although the jungle drums seem to suggest there's some uh, uh, interest from top end clubs in Italy, which might just be a bit more tempting to someone at, his, at the stage of, of career that, that he's in. So I think it'd be a stretch for us to attract a player like Trevor Shalabar. It'd be a bit of a coup if we could pull it off. Uh, but I'm, I'm certainly a big fan of his attributes. Is people, someone in the comments saying, oh, we're finding it harder to sign players because we're playing low block football. I hate the phrase low block football. We're playing defensive football. Players will come for money, won't they? And opportunity. I mean, style of football, Greg, is not. Is that a factor too much these days? No, but I think the reason we're not getting the players through the door like we hoped is we're going for that step up in quality. And I think I said it the other week that we're we're now going up against the West Ham's and the you know the the Palaces. Say that that there's three little leagues in the Premier League, aren't we? And we're trying to pluck players out of that middle tier at the minute. And, you know, it's it's tempting for them to go elsewhere, clearly. So, we'll get there. And luckily, we only need two or three. So, I'm not concerned at all. But I don't think it's because of the way we play. If we look at the players we've signed, we got Matt Turner, because I don't think teams were queuing up to sign him and we really needed a keeper. We got Anthony Langer ahead of Everton, which is probably the market we're swimming in um, still. And Olerina was a free and he was linked with West Ham in January. And it's still that kind of clubs we're competing against. We haven't been able to break through, you know, to beat a club to a Sangare or someone else like that yet. So uh, I don't, uh, I think we, are we still temps in the, in the market where we have to be smart and get an a one year and an, a, um, you know, a Mangala before other clubs get in there. And we, we haven't really tried to do that so much this summer, have we? You get the players that you deserve with the the level that you're at, the amount of finance that you can raise, and the the, the manager's profile and personality type has some influence on that. But I think ultimately, um, a, a player is is filtering through 
his relative opportunities with his agent before making a decision. So there's been some really clever recruitment. I can't imagine too many teams were in for Felipe at that time. We snuck in under the radar and, and got it done. The flip side of all of this, of course, is that if you have a player who's um, aspirational and thinks they can cope with a higher level, I like Greg's um, analogy there of the, the, the three leagues within a, within a league, um, you're, you're under pressure and, and, and at the mercy of um, them picking off your, your best players. So the, this Brennan Johnson saga has still got two or three weeks to run because mm. West Ham are going to have Paqueta Cash burning a hole in their pocket. Everybody knows the war chest that Spurs are sitting on at the moment. So those, those clubs are not only uh, more settled in the Premier League, but have a level of finance that we, we, we can't compete with. For me, success in this window would be not selling any of the players that we want to get out whilst getting in a second strike on a CDM. Everything else for me is, is peripheral business, really. Take it or leave it. If we get five of the four or five out of the door, great. Um, if we get in a backup left back, fine. But the, the three real focuses for me are keeping Brennan Johnson, signing a CDM, signing a backup striker, and we'll see what happens with the goalkeeper situation. Yeah, I totally agree about it. the top priorities getting a central defence midfielder, but you can, you know, chew gum and walk at the same time as they say in America, and we can look for other deals on the side. Uh, Paul also says about location puts off players. I think that's that's fair. And the players will go to London before they come to Nottingham, unfortunately, in a lot of cases. So uh, we got for the ahead of Wolves, I think it was. So, you know, Wolverhampton or Nottingham, I know where I'd rather go. I've got a lot of friends who live in Wolverhampton. So uh, that is a factor. And Saudi Arabia is a factor now as well. That wasn't a factor this year, this time last year. So we have to take it all uh, as a whole package, I think. Um, let's move on to Florentino Luis. Greg, I'm not going to pretend I've seen him play hundreds of, hundreds of times, but he's 23. He's played a lot for Benfica and a successful team. Uh, his numbers stack up pretty well. They're not quite as good as Sangare's from an article I was reading, but they're not far off. Uh, and it seems like he fits exactly what we're looking for if we can get him. But again, it's like 30 million quid by the sound of it. Is that a release clause or is that... I'm not sure. I think that's what the... that's what the, I think reportedly we've offered 25 and the fee's more like 30. It's another Benfica guy. Uh, I asked my Benfica mate on Twitter and he was very, very positive about him. And it, it made me smile in the comments underneath where they were all doing what I do by saying, oh, no, he's no good. You don't want him. And you can see through that. And, uh, yeah, you could tell they're big fans of him, but I can't say I've, I've seen much of him, but I certainly trust my friend. So, uh, yeah, I'd be excited to get a player of his calibre through the door. He's the latest on the list uh, attempts. We're moving down the list of very ambitious targets, but he still feels like, from what you know, what we read about in the very, very, very little I've seen of him, he still seems like a high-quality player who would make us a better team. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I love that Greg's got a global network of fans that yeah, tell him uh, who we should be grabbing, who we should, who we should be leaving off. I know he's got some uh, some some mates that follow Bundesliga clubs as well. So I think that that level of insight and knowledge from people that watch them week in, week out is always um, really, really uh, interesting. We are we're working down the list, and that's what window deadline day pressure does to you. So Sangare is on the top of several lists, and it's, it feels a little bit pie in the sky to me. But you, you look at um, similar players that are perhaps a little bit more attainable 
the clips that are available um, of, of this guy suggest that very, very much an interceptor, destroyer, bit of a wrecking ball. Um, not shy of a yellow card, plenty of clips out there of him clobbering folk, but he he can make a progressive pass. He's certainly not a dribbler, um, unspectacular in possession, perhaps um, a, a little bit uh, more forward thinking than, than, than Yatesy, and perhaps a little bit less positionally aware. He was popping up all over the place, intercepted, making his tackles, making his physical uh, presence felt. So, yeah, I do think he would add to the squad. He's not quite at Sangare's um, level for me, but he has a good pedigree. Uh, and there's, yeah, cl- clearly some kind of uh, link with the old Portuguese agency, which is um, filtering players our way. So, has done well at a decent level, uh, would be a decent option for me, but very much an understudy to Sangare in the shopping list that we have. Yeah, but like you say, Sangare feels increasingly unrealistic i guess it'd be amazing if we got him but i just it looks like there's other bigger clubs someone's going to move for him in the end so i think we we yeah this guy would be uh, a good alternative certainly last topic uh as ever is dean henderson greg might report saying may not won't sell him now unless they buy another keeper and it doesn't sound like they're going to buy another keeper they don't seem bothered to because um tom heaton who was uh, Anana's deputy, is injured. So Henderson steps up to the bench and it feels like he's a bit stuck in limbo now. And hence we're stuck in limbo as well with Henderson. Forest sound like they moved on now, reluctantly. Um, is that the right call? Yeah, I found it strange yesterday when Forrest released their hype video and it still had a, a nice clip of Henderson on there. And I thought, oh, is that a message? Because we always look a little bit too much into these kind of things, don't we? But... He was on the bench for United at the weekend. So, like you say, they're not signing a new keeper. So, we're not getting him unless we bid a ridiculous amount of money, I imagine. Uh, And it's a real shame, but also it's one for next summer then. Because he's not, unless he gets game time at United, he's not getting a new contract there. So, it's one to be disappointed about this season, know that we've got a very capable Turner in goal. And then I'm sure he'll be itching to come over to us next summer. So, yeah, it's one to sideline for now, I think. So, by that logic, Temps, we wouldn't go for another keeper uh, as an alternative until at least January, maybe you could go back for Henderson then all the summer, as Greg says. That would mean we would sit on Turner and Horvath as our one and two with Hennessy as the third choice. Is that okay with you? Well, no, I'm not a massive Ethan Horvath fan at Premier League level. I think he was a more than adept championship keeper. Um, and yeah, he did, didn't he? Duly competed with with Brice Samba, just missed out in the end. And Samba's gone on to be a, a French cap goalie. So jury's out for me on Turner. Um, he's, if, if I had a choice of three goalies, Four goalies, Brees Samba, Kaylor Navas, Dean Henderson, Turner. He'd probably be my fourth pick. I, I'm hoping he's going to prove me wrong and I'll, I'll learn more about him as I, I watch him over the next next few months. But I don't know. I can't help but think there's another twist in the, the Henderson deal. Um, it's been pretty much an open secret that Henderson wants to be here. Um, transfer fee and wages have been a bit of a stumbling block if he is on 120 clicks a week at... Uh, Manu, that's that's a, a level of finance that we probably wouldn't get to with a, with a transfer. The loan with option to buy seemed to suit everybody. Means he retains his existing Man United terms for another year. Gives us a bit of FFP 
breathing space and we get a, a proven Premier League player. The challenge and the debate that's going off internally at Forest, and I know they've acknowledged this week that um, Serianos is in helping to, to move players on and, and consult in this the, 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 for the rest of the, the window. You can only spend this money once. And we don't know what conversations are happening about the merits of dropping cash on a keeper or trying to improve the level that we can get to for the CDM or the, or the backup nine. And the other factor complicating this is Forrest in their heart of hearts still don't know if they're going to have Brennan Johnson or a pile of 45 million quid in, in tenors in the, in the corner of the recruitment office. So those, those factors could still lead to a pretty frenetic um, end to the window here. There's still plenty of deadwood in the car park that needs to be shifted out. And you can see why they're using any means necessary to get players off the wage bill, to clear some cap space in the, in the FFP calculation to enable us to be as positively active as is possible in the next two and a half weeks. I just think there's so much more to run on this one. Yeah, is this all building up to a mad deadline day, Greg, do you think? hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be reporters outside the ground either way, won't we? We're uh, one of those teams that has a bit of excitement in recent, recent years, so I'm certain it will come down to that. Uh, I didn't realise the Saudi thing uh, goes on longer than ours. Uh, so that'll be. So, I think it's like two two weeks after ours, because that's that's a worry if Ori goes for yeah. a ridiculous amount of money because he wants to late in the window, and there's no way to replace him. You can't preempt him going and get someone in. Doesn't really work like that. No. Uh, but I don't know. Paul in the comments was asking you, Temps, who was your number one of those four keepers? I was thinking that as well. Good debate now, isn't it, with what yeah. Bree Samba's gone on to <laughs> gone on to become? I'd I'd have loved him to have stayed. I mean, this is such old ground to go over, but let's let's say Forrest could have retained Bree Samba on a three to four year contract for around thirty thousand pounds a week. That would have been insane business, um, and everything else has flowed from that decision. Him hardballing on a contract, but you know you hear all this stuff second and third hand. So him hardballing on a on a pay rise from eight grand a week to 30 grand a week in the context of now an internationally capped keeper of proven pedigree if he'd have stayed this debate would be put to bed i think he'd now be firmly established as far as number one for the next three years so um did he make a mistake in going not really got him back in the um the the thoughts of the french national side and, and he is where he is now and I, I could well imagine him making a positive move to a, a bigger european club at, at some point so the romance, the romantic, what's the word? Romanticist in me um, would have wound back the clock and found a way to commit Bree Samba. Then we click on the Dean Henderson. If he hadn't been injured, I think we'd have gone all out and done that deal far early in the window, and it would have been put to bed. Navas, just a you know a lovely freak transfer that will never happen again at a level of finance that our owner made possible. And Turner is a result of his working our way down that list. So I'm going to say Samba. Uh, just to finish, because I see the clock's running on, I just want to play a clip from the manager from his press conference talking about the business uh, that we've done and it's been a bit slow otherwise and basically what happens if we don't get any other signings. So I'll play that and then we'll have a quick chat about it for a couple of minutes on the other side before we go. From from the ownership to, to sporting director, myself, we, we're all keen to to bring players in, we're all working together in trying to do that. Um, and if we can, you know, uh, great. 
if things don't happen, it's obviously a slow market and um, there's not loads going on, I don't think, across across the board in, in the Premier League. Um, if we're able to do some things, then then fantastic. If not, then um, we, we continue and believe in the guys that, that, that we have and um, and whatever situation it is, you know, we, we'll... Uh, commit 100% to it, but, um, but there's a lot, lot of hard work going on. A lot of, you know, we're really aligned in, in what we'd like to do with with signings. Like I said, from from myself to to Ross and, and, and the owner. And if we can get things done, then great. Uh, if not, then you know we'll st- we'll still commit as we do. It's interesting, Greg, that the manager after a couple of games and even friendlies has said we need more players. We need more players, and this is the first time he said. If we don't get more players, we're happy with what we've got and we believe in everyone. Maybe we read too much into it, but um, what do you make of those words? I'm hoping he's seen enough. Uh, I'm just laughing because it just feels like he's towing the line a bit there now, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping he's seen enough in the on the training pitch to think I've got a squad here. I've got a very good squad uh, and some good you know, cover as well. But uh, he definitely wants a few more players, no matter what he says. But it's just nice to hear that they're all in tune and uh, thinking along the same lines, we'll say. What about you, Temps, from a comms point of view? Just putting those words out there. Well, he doesn't mean it, does he? So Steve (laughs) Cooper wants and expects players through the door between now and then. He's disappointed that he hasn't been able to work with these players earlier in the window. He is, of course, mindful of FFP and the discussions that are are happening between everybody involved in recruiting players for Forest. But he would not be happy with no further business in this transfer window. He knows what he needs. He would have identified that at the back end of last season. We only need to rewind a week where he was saying, we've actually signed nothing. We've signed a goalie by another name. We've signed a left back by another name. But I lost Navas, Henderson and Lodie. We're standing still. Alanga is, is is fresh blood. He's the one that's the kind of incremental addition to the to the side. So I read um, beyond the words that he's saying. He, in his own way internally, will be making a vociferous case for signing players in those priority positions. Um and in return for that, he'll accept the targets that he's being set. I think he can legitimately say at the minute, how do you expect me um, to kick on with, without having upgraded player XYZ in, in, in key positions? So, no, I, I think it's it's good and professional that we see in the United front. He wouldn't be doing himself, the club or the ownership, any favours by dissenting in public. Um, but quite obviously to me, Privately, he wants and expects at least three new faces who are starting 11 ready through that door before the window closes. Uh, Very good. Right. I think that covers pretty much everything. Any other business, Greg, before we go? Uh, I feel like I should apologise for my team. I'm getting some powders. (laughs) Check my phone as well. I'm getting them on there. So, uh, yeah, apologies for that. And just uh, yesterday, I had the day off. And first game I've managed to watch of the England uh, of the Women's World Cup, and it was absolutely brilliant. Some of the quality on there. I had a, a workman around doing some work on a kitchen. I think he was delayed by about an hour as well. We were just uh, engrossed by it. So I'm travelling on Sunday, so I can't watch the final. Good about that, but just fair play to him. And the, the goalie obviously used to play for Forest, so uh, it was brilliant. It was so good. So get behind him on Sunday. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I watched. Uh, I think I watched the first half. It was really good. Um, I definitely watched the final. Temps before any other business. Someone asked if you were drinking raw egg whites. I think in the comments. <laughs> I saw. That. What are you on there? Oh, just orange juice. Okay. Well, there you go. Very healthy. No any raw other... egg whites, mate. No, I'm not on the rocky diet. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> any other business? Any, any other business? Yeah, I like what Greg said about the girls. We we just took an hour yesterday at Trent Bridge to get everybody together, um, including our, our professional women cricketers to watch that match. And yeah, just great performance and backing them to, to win at the weekend as well. First priority for me after this podcast, I'm going to text Greg Mitchell, tell him his team's terrible <laughs> um, and will be nothing like the 11 we selected just before we beat Sheffield United tomorrow night. Excellent, excellent. Well, hopefully we do beat Sheffield tonight. I'm pretty confident myself and uh, it would certainly get the season up and running and building on some fairly positive momentum against Arsenal going into Man United, who, by the way, did you watch the game on Monday, that Man United game? I mean, they were awful. Kind of <laughs> makes me feel moderately confident we could get something there as well. So, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Right, Greg, thank you very much. No, cheers. Enjoyed that one. Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. See you soon, fellas. Uh, thanks to everyone who watched along. The comments got a bit wild today, but fair enough. Um, good to have everyone with us. Uh, we shall be back on uh, Monday with uh, Emily, Lewis and another is the plan. So have a good weekend. Enjoy the game and we shall see you soon. <laughs>